Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. Hey! <laughs> Hi guys. Wow, I'm gonna take the iPad and gently put it over here, right by the guitar. Drummer, don't use the bass until she gets her. And I've got these passages that I don't really need, but I'm gonna put them here. That's always just in case the technology dies. But here's the thing, you ready? Um, I was just having fun and people started coming in and there's a group and it kind of warms my heart. I wanna ask the, the people who are from the old vineyard to stand up. If you were from the vineyard, just stand up. These are just a few of the folks that were a part of the church that Tana and I pastored. You can go ahead and sit down. For like 24 years. And God bless you. It's just good to see you because we're friends. We're brothers and sisters, right? It's not just all about coming to church and hearing this incredible message that Jim probably preached. But we're building relationships. And that's really what it's all about. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're all at various stages of disarray. Anybody relate to that? Okay. So anyway, Jim asked if I would fill in for him, and I told him I'd be happy to. And he said, uh, what do you want to talk about? And I shared with him what was kind of on my heart. And he goes, that's really good. Do me a favor. Find a verse in James to, collect, to connect it to. Because Pastor Jim's been going through a series where he's just taking excerpts from the book of James and, and teaching. So I said, oh, that should be easy. So let's pray, and then we'll just have some fun. Father, thank you for the privilege of being here and being able to share with these, your sons and your daughters, 
Your word says that they are the apple of your eye. And so my prayer is, Lord, that you would really open our hearts to recognize that. Just how much you love them, you love us. I pray, meet us, give us ears to hear and eyes to see, fill our hearts with the kingdom of God and speak to us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at the first passage here. It's from the book of James. And I don't know if I can see from this angle. See, I'm, I'm by the way, the token old guy. <laughs> I had to go to the beautician so they'd weave this color into my hair. <laughs> Did a pretty good job. Looks natural, doesn't it? Yeah, very, very natural. Thanks. <laughs> anyway, the Lord, when, when Pastor Jim asked me to teach, there was a certain verse that just kept on coming to heart and mind. It'll be the next one. But this is the verse in James that I'm tying it to. <laughs> but you'll find out that this verse in James, once we read this and I talk about it for an hour or two, you'll put it in your back pocket because we're going to visit it again. But look what it says in James chapter 4, verse 6, and then for time's sake, I just took an ex excerpt from verse 10. But he, God, gives greater grace. We could stop there and unpack that concept. God gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. God gives greater grace. If you are familiar with the New Testament, time and time again, through the epistles, the, the letters, you'll see in the, the opening statements, may the grace and the mercy of God be yours. May the grace and the mercy of God repeatedly, repeatedly. And, and let me just encourage you, any time that something is repeatedly repeated, how's that for redundant? There's a reason. It's important. Greater grace. What is Grace. It's God's undeserved favor. Now, you got to get that down. That, you know, I can say that, you can hear it, and it just disappears, but I don't want that. Grace is God's undeserved favor. He wants to give to you, and he wants to give to me all manner of things, and not just crass material things, but important things things that will change your heart and change your mind, and it's undeserved. We read about the grace of God and the mercy of God. Grace is God's undeserved favor. Mercy is God's undeserved forgiveness. Any of you ever, I'm, I'm going to use a theological term, you ready, screw up? <laughs> Maybe, a little bit, daily, repeatedly, I do. I don't deliberately try to, but that's just reality. I fall short in things I say. I fall short in my mind, things I do or not doing things I feel compelled I should have done. And God forgives. So look, it says, he, God, gives greater grace. Therefore, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the presence of God. And I want to just encourage you, one of two things is going to happen. We are either going to learn the wisdom of humbling ourselves or God humbling you. But one way or the other, you're going to learn it because he's committed to that. And we all struggle with pride. We all do. I do. 
We all do. We struggle with pride. But the reality is we have to learn how to humble ourselves. Now, we should ask ourselves then, oh, I better look at this. There's a clock staring at me. Okay. Okay. What is humility? Before I became a Christ follower, which was back in 1973, 1973, at about 20 years old, I had a, a, an encounter with God. I didn't see him. He saw me, and I had an encounter with him, and he changed my life. But before that, if you were to talk to me about humility and say, okay, Phil, what's humility? I would have probably defined humility as, you know, those people that they're kind of a pushover, really just kind of a wallflower, so to speak, etc. Things like that. I don't know if you would have, but that would have been kind of how I looked at meekness or humility. And yet, if you read in the book of Numbers, I believe it's Numbers chapter 12, it's talking about a guy named Moses. Ever hear him? Moses, it says in Numbers chapter 12, I, I mean chapter, yeah, 12, it says of Moses that he was the most humble man on the face of the earth in his day. Now, you've got to think about that. Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth in his day, and he went nose to nose with the most powerful man on the earth. The most humble man was not afraid to go nose to nose with Pharaoh, and he looked at Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. But yet he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. That says to me, humility isn't that thought that I had of just kind of this simple, quiet, meek individual in that context. What is humility? Humility is simply this, recognizing who God is and who you are in light of who he is. That's profound. I remember many years ago, I was a brand new believer. I'd known the Lord for a couple of months. And I, I, I kind of came out of the tail end of the hippie thing, you know, and all of us, peace, love, long hair, other things. And I just... I, <laughs> I meant Bible study and prayer. Anyways. And I was sharing this house with these three other guys... And I had just become a Christian, and I was like in the living room or whatever, and thinking to myself, in a few minutes, I was going to go into my bedroom and pray. And it blew my mind because, here's what, well, thank you, sir. It blew my mind because I thought, in a few minutes, I'm going to get up at my leisure and my discretion, and I am going to walk into the very presence of God who spoke and said, let there be, and as a result of that proclamation, the entire cosmos came into existence, which is, to the best that we know in physics today, 13.7 billion light years in size. I don't even know what that means. But I was going to go and talk with him. That's a humbling Humbling thing. How could that be? Let's go to the next verse, please, in Hebrews. This was the verse that started stirring when Jim asked if I would share. I love this verse. 
says, let us, that's you and me and all who are followers of Christ, all who are in love with the Lord, even if we're struggling, because after all, don't we? Of course we do. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. I love that verse. Now, the thing that stands out to me first and foremost, though, is let us come boldly before. Now, check this out. The throne of grace. Now, you got to let this enter your heart and into your mind. God's throne, the throne that the almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth, who spoke the cosmos into existence and who knows all things and is all-powerful and all-loving, his throne is called the throne of grace. Undeserved favor. And it's as if it's painting a picture that at the very core, the very foundation of who the Almighty is, he is a God who is full of grace, wanting to give to all of his creation undeserved favor, gifts, etc. That's a mind blower. Let's pretend just for a moment. Ready? Put your pretender thing on. Let's pretend we believe that. Let's pretend that we believe that the almighty God who's seated on his throne, which is called the throne of grace, is looking at you with a smile on his face and just kind of thinking of, how can I bless my son and make him even more the man, more of a man than he ever thought he could be or more of the daughter than she ever thought And he can do that. I believe he wants to. God's throne is called the throne of grace. Now, how's this for a segue? How many of you saw the movie, oh, oh, the guy with the whip and the hat? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. Remember the ark? The ark was a box about two and a half feet wide, uh, about 18 inches, let's just say two by two by three. That's not the exact measurements. Covered with gold. It was an ark, a box. And in the ark, was the Ten Commandments, the the tablet of the Ten Commandments, and a couple of other things. The law. Then the top of the box, the lid. Anybody know what the lid was called? What? The mercy seat. The mercy seat. And then on the top, there were two cherubim, and their wings came up and they touched. So what you had was the law, And exceeding the law, the mercy of God, and the fruit of that mercy, the exaltation. The law, the mercy, and the exaltation. I won't tell them what other name I came up with that sermon. Because when I I shared that with my secretary a million years ago, I said, Deborah, I got this great message I want to teach. It's called the law, the mercy, and the exaltation, and her eyes glazed over. And I said, well, I could call it bikinis on the beach. People probably would have listened. But the The guys are going, yeah. But the mercy seat is another name for the throne of God. You got to think about that. 
God calls his throne a throne of grace where we receive undeserved favor and mercy, where we receive undeserved forgiveness. How cool is that? Now, when you come to the place where you start to believe that, and let's start. Some of you, no doubt, have firmly enough for a long time. But for the rest of us, let's start even now believing that God's throne is a place of grace where he loves to give you things you don't deserve. You haven't lived so righteously and upright that you deserve it. You don't deserve it. And his throne is a throne of mercy where he forgives you. Oh, God, I did it again. You know that old thing saying back in the Jesus people movement? Yeah, a long time ago. Um, We talk about going to God and praying and say, God, remember that thing I did yesterday? And God says, no. Well, no, come on, Lord. And we go into great detail explaining the horrible thing we did. And and, and it's as if you'd say, Phil, I told you, I have taken your sin. This is so cool. And I've put it as far from me as the east is from the west. And I remember it no more. Now, we serve a God who takes our sin and throws it away, no matter how many times we've done it. Why? Because he's full of mercy and grace. Why? Because the greatest of these, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Your heavenly Father You know, as a pastor, one of the things we hear and we talk about all the time is how much God loves you. But sometimes we hear something so often it loses its profound nature. Can I share something with you? God likes you. He really does. Now, immediately our brain starts processing, yeah, he likes me, but he also keeps in mind A, B, C. He likes you. He knows you foul up. We all have feet of clay. That's how come Jesus came. I was supposed to be done with this point by now. Some things never change, Dan. Some things never change. Let's go to the next verse, please. What I want to do is talk about how to approach Christ. And I want to encourage you. Watch this. We call ourselves believers, yes? Here's my encouragement. Let's become believers who believe something. (laughs) Just a radical thought. Let's believe. So let's read this portion of Scripture. I've got it here in front of me because my eyes are so good. And this is uh, Matthew 8, 1 through, is it Matthew? Where are we? When Jesus came down from the mountain, when she, nope. Go to Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 and through 4. Yeah, thank you. I probably fouled it up. Anyway, look at this passage. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. I wonder why. Hmm. And a leper came to him. Watch this. A leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, If you were willing, you could make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. 
Now, in the book of Leviticus, don't have to turn there, chapter 13, you have a couple of verses that give us a description of how the law pertained to leprosy. And a leper, this is, a leprosy is that horrible disease that eats up your flesh. Your flesh starts rotting. People actually smell a horrible smell who have leprosy. And it says in the book of Leviticus that men or women, children who have leprosy have to be leave the camp. They can't be with the people. They can't be in the city. They can't be where everybody is. They have to be outside of the camp. They have to wear old, tattered clothing. And they can't comb their hair and put on makeup. They have to be unkept. And when they're walking from point A to point B, if they see anybody coming towards them or they see anybody behind, they have to yell out, unclean unclean, unclean. Can you imagine how that would damage you, your psyche? Not only is your flesh rotting, but everything about you inside would seemingly be dying. You'd be thinking, I would imagine, reading between the lines, my life is so worthless, and I am so worthless, and you might be speculating, why am I like this? God must hate me. Who knows how you'd be speculating? And you, you just were this horrible outcast. And you weren't allowed to hang with the people. And so Jesus is preaching, and there's a multitude of people coming. And it says, look at this. A leper came to him and bowed down and said, Lord, if you are willing. We're talking about how to approach God. This leper knew how to approach God. He came to him. There's no other way. He came to Jesus. You and I, with our strengths and our weaknesses, with our successes and our failures, in everything in between, we have to come. You have to come to Jesus. And it, look, he came, but he just didn't just come. And you have to kind of count the cost of what this was when he came. Because when this leper came, and there were, let's, let's just say there were 1,000 people. Could have been 100, could have been 5,000. We'll just use 1,000. And they're all around Jesus, and suddenly someone turns and yells, no, 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 leper, leper, leper. And all of that multitude of people would have turned and separated and gotten in his face from a distance saying, you go, the law says you're not allowed. You go back outside the camp. And you can only imagine how creative some people would have been. And they're telling this leper to leave. But I also imagine, just in my mind's eye, that probably a roadway was opened up to Jesus. And he kept going. And he came before the Lord and he bowed down. To bow before the Lord is an act of worship. He bowed down. A proud person will never bow their knee. Circumstances can change you. He bowed down, and look what he says. Lord. Now, you might think that that's inconsequential. Lord. You have to understand, that word Lord 
is the equivalent of saying Yahweh. He came to Jesus. He bowed before him, and he said, Lord, that's how we need to come. That's how we need to come. Different but the same. Come to the Savior. You know that one of my favorite titles for Jesus, I love this title. He's known in the scripture as the friend of sinners. How come Christians today so often are known as the judger of everybody? The judge himself was the friend of sinners. If my Lord is the friend of sinners, I want to be like him. I want to be the friend of sinners so that I can bring in some small way some light and some blessing and some joy and maybe the gospel of Christ. The leper comes, and and check this out. He comes and he bows down and says, Lord, if you are willing, that's such a great. (laughs) And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. You don't do that to lepers. You don't do that to lepers. Some of you are old enough to remember when AIDS first broke out on the scene in the early 80s. And we didn't know, people in general didn't know how it was, how it was communicated or what have you, you know. And people were afraid to be in the same room, same building, or, or touch. And I thought, how intriguing. Here, Jesus, this man who's unclean, I personally think, and again, I'm just having fun reading between the lines, but there were always enemies of Christ wherever he was, the Pharisees, the Herodians, the scribes, you know, looking for ways to trap him. And I think that they were probably watching this, and they saw the leper come up, and their approach would have been something like, thou dirtiest leper. Goeth out to the campus or whatever. You know, just real, this real, that's how they talk. It says so in my King James Bible. Goeth out to the campus and, and get out of here. But the sad thing is I really think that because that's how they were. Have you noticed that? And Jesus, I, I, it says he touched him. I think he grabbed him by the arm. Put him up. That's what love does. Love even goes further. It dies on a cross. And if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. And his leprosy was secured. Now, I look at this passage, and I'm asking myself, Lord, how can I approach you? And I go, wow, that's pretty good. I can come humbly. And I can come in a worshipful heart. And I can pray. Because that's a prayer. Lord, if you are willing. That's a prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. And But watch this. Doing all those things, but remembering even more foundationally that God's throne is what? A throne of grace. The mercy seat. Do you, ever, do you want to meet mercy and grace? Want to meet mercy and grace? 
It's the face of Jesus. Here's another passage. Let's go to the next passage, please. This is a great portion of Scripture. This is a, the account of the centurion. And I'm going to read it from my notes because my blind eyes, it's real big. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 and following. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and I will heal him. So here we have first, let's just stop here, a centurion. A centurion is a man of rank, power, and authority. This was a man to be reckoned with. He, a Roman centurion, could have you thrown in prison on his own whim or killed. The Jews were scared to death of the Romans. This is a man of consequence. But look at what this man of consequence, evidently with some wisdom and humility, it says he came to Jesus, came to the friend of sinners, came to the Savior. Some of you perhaps have been hearing about, oh, you need to, whatever the phrase you've heard, come to the Savior. And maybe you haven't bowed your knee yet. Today's the day of salvation. That's what the Apostle Paul says. I don't know if I have tomorrow. Well, that's kind of heavy, Phil. Deliberately. <laughs> Unapologetically. Because you don't know either. The centurion came to Jesus, imploring him. That's prayer. To implore means to ask earnestly, as if to beg. And he comes and he says, and he doesn't come on his own accord. This is pretty cool. He comes and says, Lord, proclamation, the centurion who came to Jesus imploring acknowledges that he's who? Lord. My servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. And look at Jesus' response. I mean, talk about cool. I'll come and heal him. I mean, wouldn't that be cool? You're talking to Jesus about, you know, your, your, your servant or whatever, and you're not even sure he's going to pay you any mind, and Jesus looks at you and smiles and says, come on, show me where you live. I'll come and heal him. That's cool. But look at the centurion. Lord, I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word. And my servant would be healed. Let's go to the next slide, please. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my slave, do this. And he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled. That, to me, is the most important phrase in this whole passage. This centurion did something that caused Jesus to marvel. I have to ask myself, what? What did he do that was so profound and so magnificent, it stopped Jesus and, and, if you will, brought a smile to his face? And he turned, Jesus turned, and he says, truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Next slide. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go. It shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. 
What if Jesus's interaction in your life was commensurate to how you believed? I am not really good at this, but I want to continue growing, becoming a believer who believes. But one of the things I have learned, having walked with the Lord for a good long while now, since 1973, not 1873, 1973. I know it looks like 1873. But I've learned this about walking with the Lord. God's not constrained or he's not pressured by the calendar. He wants to grow me up. That's the thrill of his heart. He wants to develop things in me and in you that would have never otherwise been developed. And so he's willing to take time. Do any of you know the man who's called the father of faith? Right, Abraham. Abraham got a promise. Remember what the promise was? Right, he's going to have a baby. Remember how long it took for that promise to be fulfilled? 25 years. 25 years. Oh, man. But Abraham kept believing. Can I encourage you? Let's just believe. Let's just believe. I mean, you and I, some of us have had promises that we are absolutely convinced and have valid reason to be convinced are of God, and they haven't happened yet. Well, it's been so long, obviously I'm wrong. No, not necessarily at all. Just believe. When it doesn't happen, when you think it's going to happen, just believe. When all of time and and circumstance and things says it's not going to happen, just believe. When you're feeling tired and lowly and maybe even somebody who is a really important spiritual uh, mentor to you says you're out of your mind, just believe. I would rather die believing and not see the fulfillment than quit believing. You know, by the way, that's biblical. (laughs) The scripture talks about the fact that the promise was given to the prophets of old and Abraham never saw the fulfillment but he believed. One other passage. I love this passage. Go ahead to that. Yeah. And before I get there, let me look here. I think personally that there's something more important than the saints coming to church and listening to a message. I think there's something more profound than us coming and even just having a wonderful time of worship. I think it would be absolutely incredible if God touched you today. And so here's what I want to ask you to do. Just in your mind, to him, if you're inclined, Say, God, if you want to touch me today, I want to be touched. And and so to speak, open up that heart, so to speak. And let the one who sits on the throne of mercy and grace touch you. Because I believe God wants to. A touch from God 
is a million, as hard as it is for me to say this, a million times better than a sermon from Phil. <laughs> I know you find that hard to believe. But trust me. Trust me on this. But I do believe, I do believe that God is alive and well. And he sees you. I believe that he watched you this morning when you're getting ready. He knows what you ate. He knows the color of your eye, your eyes. He knows you and loves you so profoundly and so deeply. And if we let that sink in, man, your life will never, ever, ever, my life will never, ever, ever be the same. One of my good friends, Bart, Let's read about Bart. Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples, and a large crowd was with him. And a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Let's go to the next one. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. And so they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. Next slide. I think there's one more. Yeah. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go. Your faith has made you well. Immediately, Bartimaeus regained his sight, I love this, and began following him on the road. So here we have, let me paint the picture. Jesus is going from point A to point B, and there's a large multitude following with him. And Bartimaeus is a blind beggar. He makes his living sitting on the side of the road. Now, unfortunately, in the last decade or so, we see that more often every day, don't we? We see these dear men and these dear women, and they're at the grocery stores, and they're here and there, and some of them look so sad and so broken and so filthy, and we want to help sometimes. Some some might be disgusted by the whole thing. It's just, you know, the range of emotions that different people experience. But this is Bartimaeus, and suddenly he hears this commotion, and I'm seeing it in my mind's eye. There's this commotion, and he doesn't know it at the time, but Jesus walks by, and then there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, and he starts asking, what's going on? What's going on? And someone says, Bartimaeus, it's Jesus. You know that the man from Nazareth, the prophet, And Bartimaeus, the moment he hears that, he says, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. He immediately proclaims the lordship in the messianic position. The phrase son of David, that is a proclamation of faith to the Jew. That's the proclamation that this man Bartimaeus recognizes that this Jesus is the foretold Messiah. So there's faith. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. And what did all the folks do? They started rebuking him. Shut up. You're making a spectacle of yourself and he's already walked by. Maybe the religious folks that think church should be very orderly at all times were saying, you can't make that noise here. 
And so how did Bartimaeus respond? He yelled louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. And I think he did this, if you will, two or three or four times. And this is the way I see this in my mind. I just dig this. Jesus is walking, and he hears this, and he hears it, let's say, for the third time, loud and desperate and, 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 and waning as he gets further away. And he hears it the third time, and he stops. And I think he just smiles. Because Bartimaeus boldly approached the throne. And I think Jesus just kind of smiled because faith thrills the heart of God. And he turned to one of his disciples and he said, Bob, go bring Bart over here. And they go, and suddenly the guys that have been rebuking Bartimaeus, be quiet, be quiet. They now say, oh, come, the master wants to talk with you. <laughs> they become ushers. And they bring Bartimaeus to Jesus. And isn't it interesting? It's kind of interesting that Bartimaeus is blind, and Jesus still asks, what do you want? <laughs> kind of self-evident to me. But it might say something about the necessity of us sometimes praying specifically, asking specifically, be that as it may. Bartimaeus says, Lord, that I might regain my sight. And look at what the Lord says. Go. Your faith has made you well. I want to ask the band to come up. I really do believe this. I believe our Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father, has something for you, not the person next to you. For you. I believe that he's able to know. You know, the scripture says, a bird doesn't fall from the sky without him knowing he knows your needs and he knows my needs. And if you're comfortable and if not, don't. But if you're comfortable, I'd like you to just hold your hands out in front of you. Nobody has to do anything, please. Don't worry. And in doing this, what we're doing is we're saying, Lord, I come to you empty-handed. And I need you. Oh, God, how I need you. Now, you know those areas. I don't. But take a chance. Open your heart, so to speak, and say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Here I am. Take me. And in those areas of need, whatever they might be, they might be physical need, it might be relational, it might be monetary, it might be ministry, it might be any number of things, I don't know. Just say, Lord, please, I believe. Lord, please, I believe. Lord, please, I believe. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I want to lift these people up before your throne of grace and bless them. I pray the blessing of heaven in the name of the Lord God Most High. I pray, Holy Spirit, come and set your people free. Let the fire of heaven fall and burn out all that is contrary and fill us 
fill us with the light of Christ. Now, the scripture says, be still and know that I am God. So let's not be in a rush. Just relax. Blessings, Lord. As the band just plays here for a few moments, just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Increase your hand, Lord. I feel like there's some people here, there's been a call, I don't know specifically, but ministry-related. And it hasn't been realized, perhaps in the fashion of the way Or you might feel like you're not qualified. But the Lord says, come to me. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. God wants to meet you and he wants to fill you. We're not in a rush, okay? Just continue allowing the Lord. I think one of the worst things we do in the Western church is everybody's in a rush. Your heavenly Father loves you. When you love someone deeply, profoundly, you love spending intimate time with them. Lord, I pray an outpouring of your gifts in the name of Jesus Christ. Words of wisdom and words of knowledge and teaching gifts and exhortation, gifts of faith, Lord, and healing. There are obviously in any room with this many people, those of you who need a physical touch of heaven, I'm not going to ask you to come up here. You don't have to come up here today. But if that's you, just say, Lord, I want that touch. And Father, we are their brothers and sisters come alongside, and we pray a healing touch for these men and women who have that need. From the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, I pray, and we pray that you would heal them of everything, Lord, cancers and all the ugly stuff that we fight with. We pray healing in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for that one who just feels all bound up, all bound up as if the evil one has that person wrapped in chains. And we, in the name of Jesus, pray a breaking off of those chains and declare the freedom of Christ. It's for freedom's sake that Christ has set you free. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.